Joel Brown, President, McKinsey County Job Development Authority. Thank you very much for joining the program here today. Of course, in a, um, a day job, you're, you're also with MineralTracker.com, and I do want to ask you how that's going in a moment or two, but we should probably find out uh, the, the news at hand, if you will, and there's always breaking news going on in Watford City these days. So let's just start off with a general update from the president's standpoint of the uh, McKinsey County's Job Development Authority. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. The uh, the Job Development Authority is the uh, branch of the of McKinsey County that is really focused on economic development. And so we're an appointed board, uh, largely of business leaders, uh, community leaders in Watford City and surrounding communities in uh, McKinsey County. Uh, we've got representation from Arnie Guard and Alexander throughout the entire county. Uh, but our, our focus and what we're really concerned about is how do we take McKinsey County to the next level economically? How do we keep this train moving? Um, we've got a tremendous opportunity right now with uh, what's going on in the Bakken with the uh, the opportunity that we have for um, increased workforce, for increased industry, for uh, increased GDP. Uh, it's pretty incredible what we have here in McKinsey County, which uh, was, you know, 20 years ago is a much smaller population base than we have right now. Um, and so, yeah, the, the big news recently uh, from the, the JDA standpoint is we just launched a housing subsidy, a housing development subsidy program that's going to be aimed at addressing what we see as the number one issue hindering economic development in McKinsey County today, and that's lack of affordable single-family housing. Can, can I ask you a question, just a sidebar on that? Um, Absolutely. And I don't know if you're qualified to to answer this or not at, at how deep this goes, but when I, I I've heard the term affordable single housing now for a number of years, and have, have we got a definition of that? Because obviously that that's going to be different in Dickinson and Williston than Watford City. Do you know what I mean? Have you guys landed on what that looks like? Yeah, absolutely. The uh, I, at least what we've seen is kind of the benchmark is we've got a tremendous amount of people that are waiting in line right now approved for FHA loan. Uh, FHA loans are uh, the uh, um, the the loan program through uh, um, it's a federal loan program aimed at helping first time home buyers typically uh, purchase their first home when they may not have the credit history necessary to do it and they may not have the down payment. Um, of up to you know 20% of the total home sale value. So what we've what we've set as the benchmark for an affordable single family house is uh, something that's going to meet that FHA limit, which right now is approximately three hundred and fifteen thousand dollars in McKinsey County. And the fact is that those houses just don't exist in this market right now. We've got a lot of people that could take advantage of this great federal program here. Uh, to move out an apartment into their first house and plant some more permanent roots here in McKinsey County. But the the market for houses that meet that uh, FHA loan limit, uh, they just don't exist. I was talking with Pat Young from Patlock yesterday. Uh, he's a, uh, what I think he said is 101 Main Street, I think he said was his address. He went ahead and just <laughs> threw out his address and he said, anybody looking for a job, we're hiring, you know, type of a thing. I don't know. Do you know Pat at all? Uh, no, I don't know Pat Young. Okay, no, well, go, go down and say hello to him. Tell him uh, Jason Spies from the Crude Life and the Multimedia Cafe said hello. He's right on Main Street, Patlock uh, Safety Services. Great story. Roustabout that figured out a new way to make the uh, 
uh, oil industry safer and save some money. And like the oil industry does, they seem to enable opportunity instead of uh, entitlement. And so they, he, he went ahead. He's got a business in, in Main Street down in Watford. And uh, it sounds like uh, he, he just said, you know, some of the quality of life changes that he's seen over the past year. And that, that was my transition question. Um, um, but I, I wanted to, of course, I guess, give some context with just yesterday, I talked to a, a gentleman who lives in Watford and has a business there. And, you know, he mentioned a few of the businesses that have popped up in the past year. Uh, from your perspective and your quality of life, has it increased in the past year? Oh, absolutely. I, I, um, I'm from Watford City originally. I grew up here. Uh, my wife and I moved down to Denver out right after we got married when we were newly married. And uh, we always wanted to come back. And it was incredible when I came back after having been away at college for a period of time, living in Denver for a period of time. I came back and Watford City was a completely different town than it was when I was growing up here. And the, the great thing is I, I enjoy it so much more. We have so much, I mean, aside from just, you know, economic opportunities that we have here the quality of life opportunities that we have here are just tremendous i mean i don't i would uh i would challenge you to find another community besides Watford that has a uh, a rough rider center-esque event center um or a high school like we do uh if you look at the restaurants that we have a, a city the size of Watford city has the second uh the second biggest micro brewery in north dakota I mean, it's so there's a lot to do here. It's a really young, fun community. It's uh, our number one demographic is young families, which uh, my family uh, gets included in that demographic, too. And so it's a really energetic, fun place to be with a lot of uh, opportunity and fun things to do, a lot of people to connect with. How about on the education standpoint? Uh, you mentioned you live there, so this is, seems appropriate enough here. You've got mineraltracker.com as a business, so you're a small business owner, and you've also got uh, act, active roles as president, job development authority, uh, McKinsey County. So I want to ask you about the schools. Uh, uh, Lieutenant Governor, former mayor of Watford City, Brent Sanford, I, I still chuckle at the interviews him and I did through the years in the early Bakken days where the kids were using outhouses. And, and you know, and, and, and the, the most important part of that story is, everyone was okay with it. There wasn't anybody that was trying to get the health police in there and make it into a front page story. The locals really said, you know what, this year, my kid might have to use an outhouse and sub-zero temperature, but at the end of the day, we're going to have a nice, gorgeous facility. Do you know what I mean? It, it just seemed yeah. like that was so refreshing that the community really embraced the change and the momentum and saw the bigger picture. Is that still the case going on there, especially with the education side of things? Definitely. What we have here in McKinsey County is so unique, I think, throughout the entire state of North Dakota. And like you said, we're certainly not complainers. So we understand that there are growing pains when you go through something like we have with Bob. Um, but I think this community is uh, they're, they're able to adapt really well. And you're right. They, they keep their eye on the big picture. They see where this is going. I mean, so just uh, we just recently uh, approved bonding for another elementary school. Um, it's going to be a tremendous facility, and we approved, um, if if necessary, to go and get bonding for a third elementary school in the future, if if that's going to be necessary, which our projections show that it very likely will be. Um, so, and I mean, aside from that, you know, we've we've done some pretty creative things as far as uh, even further education beyond uh, primary school and uh, goes. 
So one of the things that we've launched through the JDA is uh, the, the Skills Initiative Program. And the Skills Initiative Program is uh, it's pretty unique. It's uh, creative. Um, but what it's done is it's brought University of Mary, Williston State College, uh, Train ND, uh, Small Business Development, all under the roof in the Rough Rider Center. And now we're able to offer college classes. We're able to offer certification classes, uh, safety training, uh, whatever it is, we've brought all of that into the Rough Rider Center as a way that uh, we want people to be able to be educated here, um, even even beyond high school. And so I, I think there are some really tremendous opportunities going on in McKinsey County right now as far as education goes. How about the oil industry itself? Um, there's companies that have, uh, sounds like at least starting some offices around there, some service companies that have kind of moved in a little bit. You know, Watford City really, when you probably look at a 20-year snapshot, is going to be the town that is going to forever be studied by social engineers, by civic engineers, by just just the amount of growth that happened from the sewer to the new pizza joint. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) It it is. It's amazing from every aspect you look at it, you know, Um, even from the civic side of things. What what we, you know, kind of circling back to what we originally are talking about here, which is the these uh, incentive programs that you guys are now doing for housing, you know, to Mm -hmm. talk about this is another one of those changes that's going to be studied for a long time. I used to say for a long uh, for the beginning of our programs from back in 2012, that right now um, the Bakken is going to be read about in our grandkids history books. Mm -hmm. That's how that's what's going on right now. And it's exciting to be a and from my standpoint, not only is it exciting to be a part of it, but to actually be allowed to have some documentation through the process, you know, to maybe even get something picked up and put in those history books to make a dent in history. Do you guys ever look at it like that, that you guys are part of this historic process? I, I say that all the time. I say that what we're going through in McKinsey County right now, it feels like the, uh, the California gold rush. I mean, it's such a, it's such a unique situation that we have with the, number of people that have come here and how, you know, the community of Watford City, the community in McKinsey County has had to adapt to that, how we've had to grow, uh, make changes as far as infrastructure goes, make changes as far as quality of life goes. And now with uh, with this housing program, I mean, what we're really trying to address here is that this industry needs to be fed workforce. If we want to continue to grow, we need to provide people that are able to work in the oil field. And back in 2008, when things really started to kick off in North Dakota, the rest of the country was in a very depressed state. I mean, unemployment was high at that point in time. There was a lot of economic uncertainty throughout the country, but the Bakken was booming. So you could come up here in your pickup and get a job, and that was that was it. Today, we don't have quite that same opportunity because we have low unemployment throughout the entire country. And so what we're trying to do now is find a way to use our competitive advantage, which is the uh, the growth production tax that gets kicked back to McKinsey County from the state to leverage that to keep supplying workforce and keep growing the base of what we have here in McKinsey County. So it's it's interesting. The number the two the two uh, issues that we've heard facing the oil industry in North Dakota right now. First off is 
flaring regulations and uh, second is lack of workforce. And so this is something not just hindering development in McKinsey County, but throughout the entire Bakken. And I think what we're trying to do to uh, address that is pretty unique, uh, fairly aggressive, fairly creative. Um, we're excited to see how it's going to work out. One of the things that we've gotten political on in this program, and we're a non-political program, by getting political is we're just raising the question of more of a pontification, if you will. And so <laughs> I'm going to throw this your way because you brought up the word flaring. And I, don't, I know in North Dakota, I think it's 12, 13 months in a row now that we've missed the date or we've missed the, the target that we've wanted to get. Down in the Permian, they're actually paying people to come take the gas away because there, there's so much that's getting flared out. Um, we, we're trying to have a conversation. What, what would a world look like if we took, say, 50% or whatever, 100% of the subsidies that wind and solar are getting, and we shifted that towards natural gas? And the reason I say that is because this is a solvable problem. And the energy industry is taxed pretty good. I mean, you know, the, the I think in North Dakota, we've got 11.5% or something like that. And it's one of the higher it's ones in the nation. 10% and, right now, and it is. Yes, you're yeah. right. It's one of the higher ones in the so, nation. So they, they get taxed pretty well. And there's a lot of fees and a lot of regulations and a lot of that type of things that they have to follow. So that adds up the costs. And then there's that new legal new norm that they got to go through. So they got the added legal costs for every time they want to do something. And then they want, then they always make sure that the church has got a bake sale. They always make sure that the kids have got little league uniforms. So at the end of the day, the energy companies don't have a lot of money for R and D right now. They just don't. And I wondered what a world would look like if we shifted some of those subsidies over. So, you know, the, the crazy guy up in Canada that's mining bitcoins off natural gas. What, what, what if he got a little little bump, you know, and the guys that are living on the well sites, checking monitors and, and trying to make sure methane is at a certain level. So the turns into liquid at an efficient rate. You know, if, if the they, they got a little bump, that sort of thing. I think that we'd have greenhouses growing blueberries in no time. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> Well, I, I like I like where your mind is going. I mean, anything that we could do to lift some of the burden off of the oil industry, you're right. There is probably not an industry with a higher bar to entry than getting into oil and gas based on the regulation, based on the taxes. And it's just it bears the burden of all that and then does. I mean, the oil industry has been incredibly generous to McKinsey County. Um, there are some really great people representing large oil companies out here that are, are plugged into the community and then they're able to use their position in their company to make sure that, yeah, we've got funding for great things in this community. I mean, and so I think if there were a way to lift some of the burden um, off, the, off the oil industry, uh, that would be great. And I think you bring up an interesting point in trying to address this very specific issue of what are we going to do with this natural gas? Because what we're doing right now, I mean, it's, it's an issue not only of capital investment, but human investment, because putting in pipelines is a very labor-intensive job. And we lack workforce right now, back to the original, you know, back to our original issues. So beyond even being able to just throw enough money into solving that problem, it's being able to throw the right number of people to address it as quickly as we need to. Um, and so it's, a, it's a complex issue. And the part that I really like in this whole thing, too, is, you know, I mean, and, and the part that's hard is to say this is not a political thing here because what we're doing is we're just, of course, we're, we're pontificating 
But the other part of it is, you know, wind and solar put the benchmarks out themselves and they've had 40 years of subsidies, 20 ramped up and they have not hit their benchmarks. And so to me, just having the conversation should not be political. This should be actually a serious conversation because, again, we can we can solve the flaring issue. And second, and this is where I, I, I'm really curious about your your um, opinion, because, of course, uh, Joel Brown is with us primarily for the job development authority with McKinsey County. We're talking about that. But he also he owns mineraltracker.com. And since we're talking now about this, I believe in North Dakota, the when something's flared, the, the mineral owners do not get the royalties. And what would happen with this, with my idea, all of a sudden now these mineral owners would get the, the, the royalties and the local cafes and the local hardware stores are going to see a nice little economic stimulus. Do you know what I mean by that? The, the mineral owners would also benefit as well as these science R&D projects and the energy company. It's almost like a win, 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 win. Mm-hmm. If there were certainly, and it's a complex issue. I mean, you bring up the, uh, the, the royalty, the royalty stance on this right now. And you had even mentioned earlier in the program that uh, down in the Permian, they are paying people to take away their gas. They're not only not getting paid for the gas, but they're paying people to take away gas. And that's, that is actually happening up here in North Dakota right now. There are pipelines being built, there are gas plants being built, and there are uh, there are gathering systems that are being built to well sites where it's not an economic project in order to build that build that gathering system, but in an attempt to meet flaring regulations, they're doing it. And there are mineral owners out there today that are they're getting paid for the royalty on that gas, but the deductions that are necessary to transport that gas and market it exceed. The royalties that they're getting paid and so it shows up as a negative balance on their check at the end of the month and so it's not only an issue of trying to find a way to address this issue but it needs to be addressed in a way that's economic uh, if it's going to have any benefit to mineral owners and and it just seems that that idea i'm throwing out there has more validity the more and more people i talk to in the industry it just seems like it's going to be so much more helpful to so many more people than mm-hmm. where those current dollars are being directed. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's resource management. It's being a responsible steward of the resources that we have here in North Dakota, because when that gas is flared, we're not going to get it back. The fact of the matter is the, the cold hard truth is that right now it's gas is not an overly economic uh, product to be producing uh, because we've got so much gas in the U.S. at this point in time. The market is just it's overwhelmed with natural gas. So that's driven prices down to a point where it's hard to make an economic project. And what it, what we need are creative minds. We need R&D money going into figuring out what we're going to do with natural gas uh, in order to address this issue. Because right now, building pipelines to every single uh, well site in North Dakota, it's not going to be economic. Uh, it's not going to be economic for every one of those sites. Well, I, so- I still think it's not a bad idea for wind and solar to maybe... Take a step back and say, you know what, after 40 years, we made some big promises that we were going to be economical to the average consumer. And I will gladly argue with a thesis and a board of college educated people that farmers were more efficient with wind energy 150 years ago with windmills than they are today. And that I'd love the, to see that paper. Oh, I in fact, I'm. 
You just heard it right there. Until they can show me that they can be more efficient than pulling water out with wind energy versus what they're trying to do right now, forget about it. I mean, once once you take a look at how the wind energy destroys a forest and what it does to the animals, it's it right there. You're done. Um, and then solar, honestly, solar is pretty good at charging your cell phone and maybe having some camping things that, you know, are beneficial. But they don't even have solar panels for houses yet that are economical. That's 40 years. That's a long time. And that's why I'm saying I'm not trying to be political here. This is more of, okay, people, we need to do a gut check and an audit here because this flaring thing can solve so many problems. It can give local economies a boost. You might invent some new super plastic that you can put a backyard pool in, in, in your back. I'm sorry, a pool in your backyard for $1,000. Or you might come up with new some new solar casing that is going to revolutionize the solar industry in two years once they figure out some. They Listen, solar and wind, they still got to figure things out because um, in Germany, they just powered up the coal plants again. So it ain't working. <laughs> Can you imagine what would happen in America if over the course of 10 years, your electric bill trip or quadrupled in price and then you had to go back to coal anyways? Well, you think about, I mean, you think about a, an easy comparison. Think about when oil went to, you know, close to $150 per barrel. And we were experiencing gas prices that were above $4 a gallon. And that largely helped lead us into an economic crisis at, in, the, in the late 2000s. I mean, so yeah, energy, energy, increased energy costs is like a tax on, on everybody uh, mm -hmm. because there's no way that we can, we, we aren't going to do without energy in this country. We're not going to stop driving to work because we need to get to work and we're not going to stop having food delivered to our local grocery store because we need it. Um, and we're not going to stop turning our lights on in our house, uh, because we need it. I mean, these are all, these are all basic quality of life things that we've gotten used to. And the, the, there's no opportunity for us to cut back on those once, once energy, uh, prices increase. So well, and yeah, it'd, be, it'd be tremendous. I just spoke at the energy expo last week in Gillette, Wyoming. And that was my, that was one of my messages was, when I grew up, energy wasn't political, and it should not be now. Listen, the energy companies love all of the above policy, and that's what it should be. Every energy has a purpose. Like I said, in wind energy, they're still, you know what, bringing water up on the farm, it works really good, and maybe some small-scale, you know, projects, that type of thing. In fact, in India, they figured out a great way. They have um, corkscrew wind turbines on the interstates so when the buses drive by it actually powers it and so yeah they've got it doesn't works on a small scale level and i know some some garbage dumps you know they've got little small wind turbines that power a building so it works great you found a use for it but on the big scale we're not there yet same thing with solar okay same thing with oil and gas you know maybe maybe there's more efficient ways to use it that that are that we haven't thought of yet and the energy industry just is all about, we'll let the market decide. And that's, that's what I really like about with the energy industry is let the market decide because at the end of the day, energy shouldn't be political. I don't know. Maybe you disagree with me and think it should be. No, but. <laughs> no I, I agree 100%. I think the, the view on energy and in particular oil, gas, um, you know, uh, it, it's so it's so negative. I mean, it's it's incredible to me. And so when it becomes a politicized issue, 
it, it really takes it away from the true the true issue, which is we all we all require energy for quality of life, and we require affordable energy for the quality of life that we've established in this country. Uh, and I don't think people realize that by demonizing oil and gas, by demonizing big oil, I mean what they're really what they're really talking about is getting <laughs> doing away with. Uh, what it is that has built up the quality of life that they're not willing to give up. And that's why they continue to remain, even as much as they might kick and scream about oil and gas, they continue to go and fill up their cars at the local gas station because they're not willing to give up their quality of life, and nor should they be. Uh, but to go and demonize oil and gas the way that they have, I think uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's, uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, but that is kind of the political climate that we're in right now. Yeah, it really is. And that's too bad. Um, and so another one of my messages at the uh, Energy Expo was, is, you know, on our programs, I don't know how much time you have here. We're going way outside the box yeah. of the Job <laughs> Development Authority was, was, but this is what led to where, where we're at today was, you know, we've had John Gibson and Harold Hamm and, and James Volker and, you know, five other big names I can drop, you know, big oil and gas names I can drop. But the reason I, I don't mean to name drop I mean to bring it up because these guys, they, they live in, you know, they, they work. They're the owners of the company. And they all said the word paradigm shift. And so part of my message at this expo was, okay, take a look at, you know, your drilling. And that has gone through a paradigm shift. You know, we've got, um, we've got horizontal flushing that have happened. And we've got, you know, rig mats that have come into play. And we really, the rig is completely different. It, they, got, they walk now, you know, they walk. So it's a, it's a paradigm shift, okay? And then... I go, take a look at your human resources department. Do you think big data has changed your human? And of course, everybody in the crowd is nodding their head because technology completely changed the way human resources is operated. And then I go, how about your public relations? We need to take a paradigm shift there too. And I think what we need to do is we need to take control of the narrative once again. And we need to stop lecturing people and we need to just start letting them know that energy is part of your life. It is an all of the above process. We're gonna we're, we 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 need to learn how to coexist with it instead of you know. I kind of felt like for a while, the energy industry and I got caught up in this a little bit too. Almost like we were lecturing them, and that's not a good thing for, you know. Let's be honest. Oil and gas is one of the kings of the economy, and when 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 you're the big bad wolf and you're the big dog on the block, sometimes you can be wrongfully accused. And so we just kind of had to take a step back a little bit and say, okay, how are we going to rethink our public relations? Because I think the environmentalists have gotten very lazy, complacent, and actually out of, out of touch. And so there's a legitimate chance for oil and gas to say, you know what, we are part of your life and it's very good. Like for me, I ordered a vertical garden, 90% of it's made out of plastic. And I'm, I'm going to garden 30 plants in my in my uh, living room, 30 plants, and it's going to use 90% less water. And that could not happen without oil and gas. Mm -hmm. All the way from making it to delivering it to my house to pushing a button once a month and having, you know, my own lettuce. Grow. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, it's awesome. So oh, that's great. <laughs> that's the type of stuff that we're doing on the crude life. You know, instead of having somebody like that who normally would probably you know, protest against our industry. We're bringing them on to help promote that product because you know what? 90% of it's oil and gas. You know, it's a petroleum yeah, it's, product it's at the end of the day. <laughs> but it's but it's allowing me to have, you know, a cleaner, healthier life and that sort of thing. So um, that was a big message at the conference too. Younger people like us, you know, because, you know, good looking guys like us 
you know, as young as we are. But, um, you know, we're kind of socially engineered to think one thing. And then until you get into the industry, you start to realize how valuable the opportunity is. I don't know. Uh, sorry. I get on my soapbox at times because I, I, I really do enjoy box. this industry a lot and the opportunity it gives. So um, how's your business doing, Mineral Tracker? It's doing, it's, it's doing, it's doing great. Uh, Mineral Tracker is just, it continues to build and build. We're uh, adding users every single day. I mean, and really what's exciting about that is that with every user that we add to Mineral Tracker, we're really opening the eyes of this, this broader group of mineral owners in North Dakota who have kind of been rushed into this entire industry, uh, almost unbeknownst to them that they had all this oil and gas under their feet. And all of a sudden, a very important part of their income, an important part of their life, uh, they have almost no insight into how they are actually making making the money that they are. And so with Mineral Tracker, I mean, it's incredibly simple to use. We uh, we launched a, uh, a freemium version is what we're calling it, uh, the basic subscription, so that if you're a mineral owner and you're only maybe collecting, you know, 50, 100 bucks a month off of it, you, you still have the ability to go and see how, how, how is that 50 or $100 going to change over time? Uh, it, am I still getting paid correctly on that? Where are my wells? You know, so you, you, there's no, there's no uh, cost bar to entry now to get into Mineral Tracker. And that's been a really big shift for us. Um, so we're keep, we keep adding people every day. We're uh, very active on continuing to develop the app and add more, um, add more features. We're currently working on getting it into the app store on Apple or Android uh, so that people have easier access uh, to it on their phone. Um, so yeah, mineral tracker keeps humming along. We're adding, we're adding staff. We're, we're growing pretty quick. So it's been an exciting, it's been an exciting time. So circling back uh, to this all over the board interview we've had today, um, Right. Job, job Development Authority, McKinsey County. Well, you know, when you live and breathe and you're part of the community and you go to church and you go to ball games and you, all those different things, you know, it's just, it's it's tough when you, um, I saw the progression happen in Colorado five years ago. People started looking over their shoulders when they said they worked in the oil and gas industry. And it just really broke my heart, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. It did, you know, people were starting to feel ashamed about working in the industry because they were getting they were getting trolled and shamed, you know, at the end of the day, that's what it was. They were shamed, publicly stoned. Um, huh, I didn't mean that from Colorado. Sorry. <laughs> I meant it from the biblical standpoint, not the, not the liberal standpoint anyway, but, uh, anyway. yeah, it was, it was appropriate for Colorado. Though, it, it really was. Sometimes, you know, my writer mind takes over. <laughs> so, uh, getting back to, you know, kind of what we're talking about, you, you mentioned the housing, uh, opportunities for, uh, people who are looking to build. Is it, is it primarily for single family homes in Watford city? Is that kind of this incentive program you guys have? That's exactly what it is. What we noticed early on was that we've got, we have a lot of apartments in McKinsey County right now. I don't know what percentage of our population lives in apartments, but it is a very high percentage, surprisingly high. Our, our apartment occupation right now is approaching 99%. I mean, and so we've got young families who would love to have, they've got, they've got income, they've got the ability to uh, go and buy their first house but the, there, there aren't houses on the market. There just isn't been a lot of construction up here. Um, and so what we're trying to do is really jumpstart where we see this gap from the, uh, a young family who's moved to McKenzie County who wants to be here long term. 
but they don't have the opportunity to move from a apartment to their first house. And we see that as incredibly important uh, for them to be able to put down roots uh, here in McKinsey County. And so we wanted to find a way to incentivize filling that gap. And so that's why this is aimed completely at single family housing and really in that price range that is going to be the first house that someone buys coming out of an apartment. Um, so we're looking at what the program is actually doing is it taking houses that uh, can be built, they can be built along with all the infrastructure necessary for approximately $365,000 is kind of what we're seeing as um, the market right now. And bringing and the, the, the program brings that, uh, it intervenes and brings that uh, purchase price down from 365 down to the $315,000 FHA loan limit. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to really jumpstart development of more housing within that realm. Um, and if uh, we're, we're looking at probably impacting 20 to 30 homes this year, and what we're doing right now is really a pilot program. We see that if this is going to be a successful program, we're likely going to continue to expand it, continue to uh, get more funding for it in the future. Um, but it's, it's exciting. It's for what we're trying to accomplish here. There aren't many other counties that have the, the resources that we do here in McKenzie County. Um, but we see this as the number one need that we need to address right now if we want to continue to develop uh, McKinsey County economically and if we want to keep adding workforce to this industry.